0: We are Community Radio, Kilkenny City, 88.7 FM. Kilkenny Today on Community Radio, Kilkenny City, 88.7 FM.
1: Hello and good afternoon. You are very welcome to Kilkenny today with myself, Samantha Rawson. So to uh, give you the lineup for today, we have Joy Harper and we will be talking to Joy in just a little bit. She is from the La League and she is talking to us about breast milk and the antibodies found in the breast milk of women who have recovered from the coronavirus. So we'll be talking to Joy in just a little bit. And uh, later we'll be talking to Mary claire McAleer who is a head researcher for the National Youth Council of Ireland and she is talking about how the youth of Ireland have been impacted by their lack of of uh, i suppose connectedness or the lack of services uh, throughout the covid19 pandemic and how they have you know continued to suffer marginalization and we'll be talking about that and see see if we can come up with any solutions to that and later we'll have a piece from crail and that is with uh, michael o'sullivan who spoke to linda mcgivney nolan Uh, who is from the Association of of Optometrists, now that is a difficult word to say uh, in Ireland, about increasing waiting lists and the optometrist's call for a national rollout of the Sligo Eye Care scheme. But before we start, I just wanted to give you uh, some breaking news uh, that I'm taking from the journal. I was actually listening to it on the way in. Uh, I don't know if you heard it. It was a news conference from the Education Minister, Norma Foley, who has said that about 7,200 Leaving Cert grades have been affected by errors in the Leaving Cert calculated grade system. Miss Foley was speaking at a briefing this evening after it was revealed by Antishak Mihol Martin earlier today that two errors were identified in the system. One identified by a private company, Polymetra, Polymetrica, and the second by the Department of Education officials. That's, that's interesting, isn't it? That there, there were two sources of errors. Uh, speaking this evening, Ms Foley said that some students received a higher grade than they should have, while some students received a lower grade. The Minister said that those who received a higher grade will not be affected in any way, but those who are marked down will have their proper grades restored. She said that when all our checks are completed, we will issue the correct results to the students affected as soon as it is possible to do so. Every student will be contacted by text message and informed whether they are impacted or not. I'm sure the students themselves know whether they're impacted or not. Anyway, we will We'll uh, follow that story over the next little while and uh, we'll see where that ends up. I'm sure it'll probably end up in the courts, as most things do. Uh, anyway, on the line we have Joy Harper from La Le Lesch League. Hello, Joy. Hello, Samantha. How are you? I am very well, thank you. So tell me Good. about this. This is a, a very interesting research that a university in Amsterdam has discovered that um, that antibodies to the coronavirus have been found in women who have Have they recovered from coronavirus or tell me a little bit more about that? Uh, Mothers who have breastfed and who
0: unfortunately developed the coronavirus, um, it has been found in their breast milk that there are antibodies produced to help uh, cure or prevent coronavirus. Uh, It means that, of course, that mother should continue to breastfeed her baby and that the coronavirus is not passed through breast milk mm. uh, it's it's only a study that's been it's been done in beijing as well and uh, the science, leading world scientists have been in touch with the uh, world health organization guidelines uh, and they of course suggest that uh, they should still continue to breed their, uh, breastfeed their babies even though the mother is infected with the coronavirus right. it doesn't pass through the milk but it does Help prevent the baby from getting it, and they're also doing some research in relation to. Uh, they're testing um, expressed breast milk from mothers who have had the coronavirus to see if they can somehow, for example, in a an ice cube, if they can somehow um, put the breast milk or or uh, reconstitute it into a an ice cube because when they want to be able to administer this in a slow-release way, which means they want it um, to um, be slowly um, taken by a person so that it stays in touch with their system um, longer. Whereas if you just drink something, it's straight down your your throat. Do you know what I mean? So this is what they're uh, researching at uh, the moment. And um, of course, it is all research at the moment. So uh, we're waiting to see from these two studies around the world to see uh, what's going to become of that. Uh, It's a little bit like testing the vaccine for coronavirus. Obviously, it will have to be tested. And there's a large study uh, being done in Amsterdam at the moment and in Beijing as well, where they're testing the breast milk for this property and also how they would administer it or how they would use it in helping to treat or prevent coronavirus.
1: Okay, and, and do they, have they identified what's, what's in it, Joy? What, what is it that, that is in the breast milk that, that well, makes it an antibody, if you like?
0: Yeah, they, the breast milk contains numerous live components, including immunoglobulins and antiviral factors. And they all destroy or they invade pathogens And they boost the baby's own immune system. So the research shows that um, antibodies with reactivity to the COVID-19 virus have been detected in the breast milk of mothers who previously were infected with COVID-19.
1: Okay, so were they infected before they became pregnant then?
0: Not necessarily. It could have been just while... They were in hospital. It, even if they were infected beforehand and delivered the baby and breastfed the baby, they were still encouraged to breastfeed the baby. Mm-hmm. So it's those mothers who have suffered COVID 19 and who are breastfeeding, they will donate some of their expressed breast milk to be tested uh, further and do some experiments on people who either may have COVID or who are likely to be susceptible.
1: And and does that mean that that some mothers would be reticent to breastfeed because they had suffered coronavirus?
0: No, the World Health Organization are strongly advocating that they should continue to breastfeed um, that it doesn't prohibit them from breastfeeding their baby at all. Uh, In fact, the opposite is true because as you would be aware you're still passing on all your immunities to that said baby and you're helping to prevent a lot of other, uh, reduce the risk of other illnesses like for example diabetes and obesity mm. and you're still reducing illnesses in the, the mum as well like for example breast and ovarian cancer, cholesterol is, is another one that it helps to reduce so it still has its properties and it still produces immunities, and it always protects the baby, no matter what illness the mother. Say if the mother just got uh, a cold, for mm. example, or anything uh, similar like that. The mother's breast milk will produce the antibodies to protect the baby always. Right. Uh, the baby, you know, is the last one who will get sick or become ill, unless there's a pre-existing uh, medical condition there to begin with. Now that's a different story, of course. Yeah. But. Um, I-
1: I know in recent years, um, Joy, that there's been a huge campaign to get mothers to breastfeed because it seems to be, I don't know what the terminology would be, but it's it's almost unfashionable or it's more convenient to to use um, formula.
0: Yes, that's correct. Um, And we have found since March, since the lockdown, in fact, more mothers are choosing to breastfeed their babies but not only that, they're choosing to breastfeed them for longer than they had planned. Say, for example, if they were returning to work after six months, we find that those mothers are now continuing to breastfeed their babies past six months and longer. But also that what we find is that because more mothers are actually choosing to breastfeed and because during the pandemic, as you know, the situations in the hospitals, I mean, the nurses are fantastic and they are run off their feet. But the partners are only allowed in for the delivery so the mum misses having baby's dad to help and do a few things so that means the mother is a little bit isolated but what is happening on the ground is that the mums are actually helping each other in the hospital say oh i need to pop to the loo i need to have a shower will you just keep an eye on my baby for me mm-hmm. so they're helping each other out and and that's great it is lonely for the mum all right but the other thing is Breastfeeding is more successful. You have less premature babies because if mum was on maternity leave or had to stop work because of the pandemic and she was pregnant, then she's at home and she's more rested. And the number of premature babies has dropped dramatically during the pandemic. That's fascinating, isn't it? It is. That's a really interesting uh, factor that has come out of this. And more mothers are proving to be more successful at breastfeeding and now the only thing they miss when they come home is like they don't have the social network and resources to back them up when they come home mm-hmm. so that's where we come in and since the 18th of March, a week after lockdown began, we started having uh, La Leche League Zoom meetups for mums right. we've had to date I think it's 70 meetings we hold two every week every Wednesday and Thursday morning we do a breastfeeding support zoom meeting for mothers and they can join in just go to our facebook page lalex league kilkenny or lalex league ireland Uh, they can ring the number they can send a text message whatsapp whatever social platform they choose to use is fine with us and we will welcome them on board with open arms and particularly pregnant mothers um, because it's good for them to know beforehand the information about breastfeeding i actually do a practical demonstration here in this bedroom with a doll and right. i lie on the bed and i show them how to feed a baby lying down right that's a fear as well around uh, feeding in bed so it has its advantages in other ways and we have found mothers because they're isolated because they're at home or for example if you had a cesarean infection and you're not allowed to drive for six weeks so you are housebound So they love coming on, just even for the social chat. They may Mm. never have a breastfeeding problem, or they may be just pregnant and want to find out about breastfeeding. And they find that they love this camaraderie with the other mothers and Mm. us as accredited leaders are there to answer any questions that they have and reassure them, yes, that's normal behavior for a newborn baby or whatever. And if they have any other specific questions, we answer them uh, we can post out leaflets po- I've just come back from the post office posting a new womanly art of breastfeeding to an expectant mum do you know what I mean so there's Great. ways and means I used to hang books on my road gate in a carrier plastic carrier bag so that the mum could pick it up driving by and drop it back a couple of weeks later or whatever so a lot of things have uh, worked to our advantage but yeah. the, the mother's isolation I think is the hardest thing not being able to have say, parents and we were in our, that situation ourselves we couldn't go to see our lovely grandson in Dublin when he was born in, in April. He was oh. 10 weeks old before we could visit because we had to wait on the travel restrictions yeah. to lift. Oh, gosh. And now our daughter in Portugal is expecting her second baby. And again, we can't go over in two or three
1: weeks. Right. So it, it has hit home here with us. Oh, <laughs> oh I'm well. sorry to hear that. But but, oh, but thank God long. for Zoom, though, and thank God for, yes. for social yes. media. Absolutely.
0: And it's very much used and... And mothers are always on either zoom or they're on uh, uh, whatsapp or they're on facebook mm. and they can also send a private message to which we will answer we have a whatsapp group that we put up and mothers are welcome to join that and what we do as well is if a mother has a specific request about a breastfeeding issue say for example she's going to have a cesarean section so then we will get the article from the Leche league and we will put it up on whatsapp and then she can read it and others can read them as well of course the mothers are very good at helping each other with breastfeeding situations and questions and little tips that worked for them or something maybe didn't work and you tried something else so we say to the moms take whatever from the meetup that suits you and your family we're here to support you no matter what you want to feed for three days, three weeks or three months, it doesn't matter, we'll help you. And when you want to wean, we'll help you do that as well. To give you the encouragement and to empower them to keep going at the moment. And sometimes they just need permission or they just need someone to say that's
1: okay, you're doing great, you're doing a wonderful
0: job breastfeeding that baby. Yeah, because I
1: suppose like everything else, we all need role models. So if there's no role model to to see somebody else doing it, 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 it's hard. It, It is very hard and that's why The
0: mothers all miss our social meet-up every week um, where they'd come when they're pregnant or they'd come with their nursing babies and we'd all meet up together and we'd get a chance to have a cuddle from a newborn baby (laughs) if mum wants to pop to the loo or whatever. And it's very sociable and they're all very nice, very kind, very helpful to each other. And a lot of friendships have been uh, forged as a result of those meet-ups as well. And, you know, we help them with suggestions, ideas, what dad can do for example if if uh, dad is going into the delivery we tell him now wear a shirt with buttons so that when mom has been taken care of after the delivery you tuck your little baby into your chest there now and close your shirt and that's the start of your bonding with Aww. your little baby so There's lots of little things like that. Yeah, you'd never think of that, would you? No, No, and and we suggest it all the time and I have a lovely picture of my own son Graham in Dublin with his little son tucked inside his shirt while his his wife Katrina was being taken care of in the delivery suite. You know, there's lots of little tips like that and how to dress appropriately and comfortably and and, uh, what kind of bra to wear and uh, how dads can do lots of other things. Tell them you're doing great with the breastfeeding. I'm so proud of you. Spending time with the baby, rocking and cuddling and all that and, you know, um prevent negative um comments from mm. visitors or family, mm. you know, and talk to each other about what's bothering you or uh, this has worked well or isn't this lovely? We're enjoying this time with our child and don't let anyone interrupt us. They want come, bring a casserole or a cake, brown bread or a lasagna
1: or <laughs> and leave it at the door. You yeah. Know. <laughs> and can I ask, Joy, where does the name La Leche come from? It's obviously French, is it? It's actually Spanish. Oh, no, it's and it Spanish, means is mother's it? Mother's Milk.
0: Yeah, La Leche League is actually Spanish. Oh. It means Mother's Milk. Oh,
1: right. uh, and
0: the organization uh, began in 1957 in uh, Illinois, in uh, Chicago. And uh, it came to Ireland about 60 years ago. And in Kilkenny, we're very proud to say that we're now here uh, 43 years. Uh, We started in uh, 1979, and we have a very active group here in Kilkenny. We have four leaders, my colleagues, Kay, Linda, and Monica, and myself, Joy, and uh, we host the Zoom meetings, we take the phone calls, we send out the leaflets, we do all of these things, you know, um, help mothers in whatever way we possibly can, because we've all been through it, we've all fed our own children, and, and between us,
1: we have different experiences within that as well, know, one leader has had. Yeah. Do you get any support from the HSE, Joy? Do Do you get very? We get very
0: little. Unfortunately, our grant has been cut dramatically, and I have to produce figures um, every month, literally of the number of mothers, the number of babies, the number of telephone calls and home visits that we would do. Mm. And just last month, actually, the month of August, um, we were asked by the HSE to provide. Figures and the, the top one was the 70 Zoom meetings we held. Right. <laughs> you know, yeah. so um, it, it, um, it just shows the amount of voluntary work that we do. I'm sitting here in our guest bedroom at the dressing table. Uh, Kay could be sitting at her kitchen table. Linda could be sitting in her living room at the, at the computer, and Monica's yeah. in her kitchen. You know what I mean? So it's, it's run from the kitchen table, basically. And, and you're obviously <laughs> all very, very passionate about it. Absolutely, yes. Uh, we all breastfed our own children, we all are very passionate about it we've all been involved in the Letch League for a long time, as I mentioned I'm a grandmother, so I'm at the next stage in my chapter of my life mm. and uh, we want to give back the help that we got when we were breastfeeding our babies, yeah. when they were tiny babies And, and, and I um, suppose
1: there's no better start to give a baby, I mean it's, it's, it's how Mother Nature intended it Absolutely, I mean
0: the breast milk provides babies with immunity against viruses as we already uh, mentioned it kickstarts their immune system as well and here's an interesting statistic now for you breastfeeding, now this is no offence to boy babies okay, but <laughs> breastfeeding <laughs> breastfeeding a girl reduces her risk of developing breast cancer by 25%. Wow, okay. I thought that was an interesting uh, statistic when I came across it recently. Breastfed babies are less likely to have constipation or they're less likely to have diarrhoea either. Kay. Breast milk, you see, is always at the right temperature, and
1: so it's readily available. And <laughs> <laughs> yeah, indeed, on tap, as, as they say. And can I exactly. ask you one question before I let you sure. go, Joy? I had a pal of mine who, who breastfed her twins, uh, yes. and I have to say with great admiration from me, because it's not an easy job with, with twins, yeah. but she persisted yeah. and she succeeded and it was great. But one of yeah. her motivations was that it helps yeah. you lose weight. That's correct. And I breastfed twins as
0: well, and I was a beautiful weight when I was breastfeeding Emma and Graham. It was fantastic. Yeah, (laughs) because you burn six hundred calories a day when you're breastfeeding. That's how much calories a mother um, burns. So yes, it it is, and it is twice the work. It is twice the the fun, and it's the novelty too for people to come and say you have uh, twins. In my case, it was a boy and a girl, and. they are individuals, uh, very much so, yeah. and they're now parents themselves. No, none of them have had twins
1: yet, but I can hold my head up high and say, yes, I breastfed twins. Excellent. <laughs> Congratulations. <laughs> well, well, Joy, I'm Thank afraid you. we have to leave it there. It's been lovely That's to fine. chat to you Thank and you uh, to con- continued success with lelech Thank you very much okay. indeed. Thank Thanks, you. Joy. And Bye. that was Joy Harper there from Lalesh League in Kilkenny. And as she said, you will find her on social media, on Facebook, or if you just Google Lalesh, um L-A-L-E-C-H-E, you will find her. And if you want, uh, you can contact the station here and we can forward you their details as well.
0: We are Community Radio, Kilkenny City, 88.7 FM. <laughs> Why not advertise with your Community Radio Kilkenny City as it puts your message into shops, restaurants, factories, homes and cars of a potential 40,000 listeners. So, we have something for everybody. Call today and book your spot with us. Or why not sponsor a programme or a slot by calling the office on 056 77 627 or our sales team on 086 810 2161. Community Radio Kilkenny City is a voluntary and not-for-profit (laughs) organisation.
2: To ensure people can safely and easily visit Kilkenny City, a one-way traffic system is now in place in the City Centre, from Johnsbridge Bridge to the Parade and from the Parade to Parliament Street to aid social distancing and provide space for you to move around safely. Please enjoy our city and watch out for the new traffic flow signage and markings. This is your Council, working for you in Kilkenny City and County.
1: You are listening to Kilkenny Today with myself, Samantha Rawson, and if you'd like to get in touch with us, you can do so on 056 Seven, or you can text me directly into studio here on zero eight six three five three double seven eight two. 353 And now we have a piece from Crail about the, uh, the waiting list from optometrists um, in Ireland, the general waiting list around the country and uh, how this affects uh, people waiting for optometrist appointments. So... Um, this is a piece from Crail, where Michael oh, Michael Sullivan spoke to Linda McGivney-Nolan. Pre-COVID, um, as you know, because we have discussed this before, I care in Ireland was already overburdened. So, you know, pre-COVID last year, we had large numbers of people on, on the waiting list. Um, like back in 2018, it was just over 40,000. We're now hitting 52,000 since COVID. Now that's understandable because in fairness everything was shut down and you know
0: um, a lot of elective procedures couldn't be carried out. So the waiting lists were bound to grow. but
1: the problem is it's now increasing the burden on an already overburdened system and at this stage the waiting lists are spiralling out of control where there's not going to be a
2: way to turn this around without having a radical change in how we approach eye care in Ireland.
0: And you know as they say you should never waste uh, uh, a good um, crisis and I think this is a great time um, for renewal to two things differently so maybe you just remind listeners um, what is the the Sligo scheme or the, 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 the Sligo initiative
3: Community Radio Kilkenny City, the voice of the Marble City
0: We all want to stay safe and protect each other from coronavirus we do this by cleaning our hands, social distancing and covering sneezes and coughs. We can also do this by wearing a face covering. Face coverings help prevent people who don't know they have the virus from spreading it to others. They should be worn anywhere it's difficult to stay two metres apart, like shops or public transport, or when visiting anyone who's more at risk. Wear a face covering. Stay safe. Protect each other. See hse.ie for more. Text us on 086 353
1: 77 Eight two. Now on the line, I have Mary Claire McAleer from the National Youth Council of Ireland. Good afternoon, Mary Claire. Good afternoon, Martha. Um Now you uh, are talking to us today about a recent report that the National Youth Council of Ireland did, um, and you found that y- young people and the youth services have been greatly impacted by the pandemic.
2: Yes, that's right, Samantha. It was an independent review of the youth work sector and its response to uh, providing supports to young people during the pandemic, uh, looking at the challenges, the methods they used to deliver services and supports during the lockdown period, and uh, limitations of the way of working. And it really highlighted that uh, youth workers, the length and breadth of the country, have gone to extraordinary lengths to engage with young people. But it has been extremely challenging with 14% of services unable to provide uh, for young people and um, a a drop of 70% of youth participation in the services, um, particularly pronounced amongst uh, young people at risk and the most marginalized young people.
1: And what age group do youth services look after? What age group of young people are we talking about?
2: We're talking about 10 to 25, so it's quite a broad spectrum. It's young people under 18 and young adults who engage in services. And I think one of the significant challenges really was uh, adapting services onto digital platforms. That presented difficulties in terms of Uh, some young people who maybe uh, were experiencing digital poverty where they wouldn't have access to a laptop or maybe there's only one device for the household or indeed those young people in in rural areas where connectivity was particularly poor and they had difficulty accessing some of the online resources. The study actually also um, interviewed young people who had engaged with the services and they talked about uh, the negative impact of the pandemic on their lives in relation to you know their mental health, their well-being, feelings of uncertainty around access to education and really the lack of social contact structure and routine in their lives during this period and what that actually was, uh, how that was actually impacting on them and they're really concerned about uh, the economic impact arising from COVID as well so I think one of the positives we can take from this is that youth organisations are really playing a, a pivotal role in supporting them. Um, and I think it's, it's really essential that as we approach the, the budget in a few weeks' time, that there's significant investment in youth work services throughout the country. Um, the Youth Council's calling on government to invest uh, $4.7 million um, to ensure there are supports uh, for young people at this time, uh, to really mitigate against the the negative impacts of COVID, and to support young people as we you know we continue to live with this virus, I, I suppose um,
1: the the topic that's very much in the news at the moment, Mary Claire, is is the fact that um, it, it seems to be suggested amongst the media and the government that young people, and, and I even hate to say the phrase young people, the younger generation or the next generation, that they they seem not to be listening to the messages about. you know isolation and social distancing and all that but at the same time they are the the group of the population that are probably most greatly impacted in their day-to-day lives so it's to find the balance that you know obviously they have been let down by the government and and their answer to COVID-19 but at the same time we need them to come on board with the message.
2: Yeah, I mean, I think the message from the Youth Council was, is very clear. We think everyone in society should be fully compliant with the public health guidelines. And I think it's a much broader issue than pointing the finger at young people. Um, I don't think that's uh, helpful. And I think, you know, when you read this report, if your listeners want to read this report, it's available on youth.ie. It really highlights that, for the most part, young people are really cognizant of the risks associated with this virus. They're very fearful about spreading it to their families. Um, They have, facilitated by youth organizations, engaged in um, supporting people in their communities during this uh, period through, you know, making PPE for um, members of the society, writing letters to older people. Um, There's countless stories in the report of of practices where young people are responsibly acting. Um, It is, as you say, had a really big impact on them and I think they too have made massive sacrifices during this time. And as you say, Samantha, they're going to be living with the the implications and the consequences of this virus for years to come. So I think to answer your question, completely agree that uh, compliance with the public health measures is is vitally important to uh, prevent the spread of this awful Awful virus, but that cuts right across society. It's not just about young people; it's about all age groups getting behind the the message and really engaging in in that sort of intergenerational solidarity, for want of a better word. So, so
1: would you say that then it's only a section of of that group, not the whole group? But but because the term young people is being used across the board, that the you know that everybody's being tarred with the same brush when actually it's only a, a small minority.
2: I think it's actually not confined to any particular age group. I think it's, you know, compliance um, over the last few weeks we've seen is something that is uh, an issue right across society. And I think um, the, the key role with, for youth organisations is to support young people. Um, and, and, you know, this report has highlighted that they've really engaged in terms of providing them with public health, information making them aware of um the covid virus and helping them in terms of coping resilience skills all of those things and i think you know it's it's up to us as a society across the board across age groups to really comply with with the public health measures to ensure that you know we limit the spread of of 19
1: and at the moment um mary claire you know what services are available to 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 young people or the, the younger people rather than than young people um you know obviously their meetings have been cancelled they can't meet up in the same way so so what is available at the moment
2: um currently there's a lot of digital youth work happening um but i think what is certainly a learning for the sector is that there needs to be um, development of training and guidance in social media for youth workers. Um, We need to um, look at particular transition points in the lives of young people because a lot of the developmental work has been lost. Um, And really keep an eye on youth-centered approaches. They're really core, uh, Samantha. I think, you know, digital uh, youth work has been something that's been useful during this period. But what this report very clearly highlights is that there's really no replacement for that one-to-one contact. So some services are beginning to engage in compliance with the public health measures, wearing masks, social distancing. Um, But there is a lot of um, uh, safeguarding issues that still need to be to be resolved I mean for instance t- 10 to 12 year olds are a particularly difficult group I mean as you can imagine mm. they're a difficult age group to engage in terms of using digital media but um, I mean there's and Sorry Marie Claire wh- why
1: is that you would have thought that, that they're probably one of the prime social media users I mean given the rise of TikTok and various other um, platforms you would have thought that they, they would be um, quite engaging with it is th- is there a reason or have you any idea yeah, why no the survey actually. found that
2: Absolutely. I think from a youth work professional perspective, prior to this, really a lot of the um, emphasis was placed on the one-to-one time and less um, focusing on social media activities. And now it's turned around where during a period of lockdown, you know, youth work sector has had to um, put a lot of resources into um, into the digital platform. And, you know, you asked me what other examples of practice there is. You know, there's reaching out to communities. There's there's a a number of initiatives. One was a happiness jar, which was happening in YMCA Cork, which is really about putting young people's stories online. Um, But some of the challenges, really, I go back to where young people who were vulnerable at risk And I think what the report is saying is that um, the pandemic has really exposed a range of inequalities and exacerbated vulnerabilities among many young people and groups like young people in care, young people in direct provision, Mm. young people with disabilities. These are the areas that we need to focus on in terms of trying to um, reach those young people it's difficult at the best of times to, to engage with the most marginalised young people mm-hmm. and I think during this pandemic that has been exacerbated somewhat. And and how do you get in touch with them? Obviously,
1: if somebody's at already at a social disadvantage they're, they're probably not inclined to know about the services out there anyway and also yeah. even if they do know about the services they're probably less inclined to reach out themselves. So how do you in the National Youth Council of Ireland how do you reach out to them?
2: Well, it's our member organisations that are doing this, and it's through um, a blended approach of both digital and in-person activities, um, but certainly it is a challenge, and um, I think one of the key, and this has been happening, is the interagency work that youth workers have been doing with the guards, with social workers, with the broad range of significant stakeholders working with those young people. Um, to, to, uh, to support that engagement. Uh, and indeed, uh, youth workers were even checking in with young people during this period through the traditional approaches, you know, telephone mm. calls, text messages, all of those things. And the young people that participated in this study talked about how they knew that there was a, you know, a one good adult in their lives, a youth worker who would help them through this, that would always be there to talk to them, to support them. Um, really, they would describe they describe the youth workers as, as as providing that lifeline. So I think you know, youth work services are provide vital supports to all young people. But I think now that in particular, it's you know really important that you know they play a pivotal role that they are supported to reach that um, meet the needs of all young people. Mm. And certainly, um, investment to. To address some of the technological issues to ensure that there's an ICT infrastructure to support that work is is really critical. So I I suppose if
1: if a young person is at risk, are are they kind of like out at sea waiting to be picked up by a a lifeboat? You know, they're waiting to see that somebody notices that they're in trouble.
2: Certainly, there are a lot of, there there is vulnerabilities there, for sure. And I think, you know, when the youth workers were interviewed about this, they were, you know, really uh, concerned about the young people that usually would drop into a centre during normal pre-COVID times. And, you know, the challenge is that during this period, they are, you know, um, it those issues are compounded for sure okay. and that's what this what this report has highlighted
1: okay and and so the 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 budget is coming up now in the next week or so um yes. so what would your hope be for the government i i see that the, you had a meeting or did you you sent this research to the minister Roderick O'Gorman. so so how how do you hope it to progress or what do you hope to come out of it
2: um, well, actually, Mr. Roderick O'Gorman uh, launched the report on Monday at the event and um, was very supportive of the work that we're doing. Um, but we're calling on government in our pre-budget submission um, to invest $4.7 for the youth work sector throughout the country. Um, you know, youth work changes lives. Mm-hmm. And I think even in the most difficult times, um, you know, this report really highlights that... Investment in the sector is it really critical if we are to um, engage with at-risk and marginalised young people? I'm ready to support all young people as they um, navigate the challenges uh, during this this pandemic period mm-hmm. and beyond. And just
1: as a, I don't mean to sound facetious, Marie-Claire, but just the term young people sounds so incredibly patronizing. You know, can we come up with a different terminology? Can we come up with a different reference? Because I just hear that term all the time on media at the moment. And I just think, you know, if they're listening... I just find yeah. they must find it incredibly patronizing and a- and almost alienating so I wonder can um, we come up with a different terminology
2: well I mean you know I can use the word youth if you like Samantha I think <laughs> girls have currency in our sector yeah. and they themselves through the engagement that we do with them and our policy work would um, certainly recognize it um, so do they refer to
1: themselves as young people Yes, they, they
2: do. do. Okay. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yes, <laughs> they do. But actually, no. You know, um, the, the term used is also one that um, is. Uh, you know, it's the Youth Work Act, Mm. youth, uh, conceptualization of youth. So youth, young people, is is one that has currency. Um, And and just, you you touched on the issue of the younger age group and why it would be a challenge for the digital media. Actually, the report highlighted that in some quarters, parents didn't want young children using social media. Okay, I suppose so that's fair enough, is isn't it? A yeah. broad range of, of issues um, and, and other concerns around safeguarding, mm. around um, the loss of the young person's voice and agency as well. I mean, if, you know, one thing the youth workers talked about was when you are in a group with young people in a physical face-to-face setting, often you can recognize from the body language mm, if they're indeed, having a bad yeah. day. pick up on the cues, maybe take them aside and say, is everything okay? Yeah. And actually, sometimes you can't read that virtually. You know, and, and, and as time progressed, some young people didn't want to be on camera. You mm. know, there was an element of Zoom fatigue. Yeah. That said, mm. So we have to recognize that and work with that and make sure that the supports that are there are youth friendly youth center and do as much as we can to support young people um Okay. By, by and and,
1: and if anyone is listening to this, Marie-Claire, before I let you go, because we're running out yeah. of time, um, anyway. if, if there's anybody listening to this who is either a young person themselves or, or maybe, um, you know, a parent or caring for somebody that they are concerned about or want to put them in touch with the National Youth Council of Ireland, is, is there anywhere where they, young people can be directed, so to speak?
2: um there is all the information is available on our website and locally for services and supports that are available in the cokenny region mm-hmm. um, they they are available on our website as well so on um, the, the National Youth Council of Ireland yeah, website it's, it's, it's youth.ie. Mm-hmm. and there's also a Twitter feed which is NYC, NYCI news so um, the the website is uh provides a list of organisations and supports that are available throughout the country Great,
1: great. Okay, thank you for taking the time uh, to talk to me today, Mary claire and uh, we will talk to you again Okay, thank you Thank you Mary claire thank you and that was Mary claire Harper from um, sorry, I beg your pardon, that is the wrong name that was Mary claire McAleer who is the head researcher from the National Youth Council of Ireland and we will take a break for uh, some commercials and we'll be back after these
0: We are Community Radio, Kilkenny City, 88.7 FM.
1: And we will take a piece now from Near FM. And this piece is about paternity benefit and paternity leave. And Jackie from Near FM spoke to John Healy. Or I beg your pardon, John Healy spoke to Jackie Hawhey from the Citizens Information Office
3: talk today about paternity benefit and paternity leave, and then I'll just talk about parental leave, because people get mixed up in the paternity yeah. and the parental. Yeah. So we'll just start off about paternity leave. Every parent, not the mother, the partner of the child, of the mother of the child, is entitled to take two weeks off walk without pay. Your employer doesn't have to pay it, and you can take it within six, up to six months after the birth of the child. Now, it did that most people that would be going for that is people that haven't got PRSI, maybe they aren't in their job, because if you're in your job and you're working there longer than a year you can go for a paternity benefit it's a payment that's given to parents of children that are being born now you have to give four weeks notice to your employer you can take it up to six months after the birth of the child the rate of payment is 245 euros a week and the two weeks have to be taken consecutively your employer must fill out a PB. PB2 form to confirm you're eligible for the payment. As I said it's based on your PRSI contributions. Self-employment must give 12 weeks notice that's going to take this. You must have a social services card so if you haven't got a card and you know your wife is going to be or your partner is going to be due a baby soon and you have to apply for four weeks beforehand, apply for a social services card and you can get this at any of your local Intreo offices. You walk in and they do it all there for you. Now, also, a PB3 form must be filled out by your partner's GP to prove the pregnancy. If you're receiving certain other social welfare payments, you may be eligible for a heart-right paternity benefit with your other social welfare payment. Now, while on paternity benefit of two weeks, you'll get two weeks' credited contributions, so your PRSI will be kept up to date with two weeks' credited contributions. So your your record will be kept up to date for further down the road for other payments, and maybe a state pension or illness benefit. Any if any queries regarding the paternity, the paternity benefit and the leave, so the leave is two weeks, everybody's entitled to it, some people, based on the PRSI, might get paid for it. You must apply for four, four weeks beforehand, 12 of yourself employed, and you can take it any time up to six months after the child is born. If anybody's any questions to do with the paternity benefit or leave, just give us a ring at the Citizen's Advice at 0761 90.
1: And that was uh, Jackie Hawhey from the Citizens Information Centre talking to uh, John Healy of Near FM about paternity and a paternity benefit and paternity leave so that is about my lot for this evening my thanks to Anne Olin for producing today's programme so until next Wednesday a very good evening to you
0: We are Community Radio Kilkenny City 88.7 FM